From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Today we're talking about gender and some of the stigma that comes from not being a male who likes females or a female who likes males. We have with us Leanna Huffaker, who is in her sixth year of training in clinical psychology at Upstate and expects to earn her doctorate in August. She's going to walk us through some of the issues faced by sexual and gender minorities. Welcome to HealthLink, Leanna. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Well, when we hear about LGBTQ individuals, um, who are we talking about? What do those letters stand for? LGBTQ stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer or questioning. Um, There's been a lot of debate over how many letters to include in that acronym, but I generally think of LGBTQ as kind of a broadly encompassing one. Queer is sometimes an umbrella term that can encompass a lot of identities that aren't encapsulated in those specific labels. So not like non-mainstream? Yeah, topic. yeah. There's, there's really an emerging culture of people uh, becoming empowered by developing their own labels that really fit their unique selves, whether that's in terms of gender or in terms of sexual identity. Interesting. Well, you've done um, some research I want you to tell us about that looks at how these individuals are served by the medical system. Um, And perhaps there's some lessons to be learned, not just by doctors and nurses, but by other industries and society at large. What have you, what have you, what's your research done? Well, my research is more broadly focused on prejudice in general. uh, But one area of interest I have is how prejudice and stigma in the broader community inhibits sexual and gender minorities often from getting gaining access to health care as well as a variety of other services. Um, there's definitely pushback um, from a lot of organizations, systems, etc. that makes LGBTQ people feel like they uh, aren't welcome. Do um, LGBTQ LGBTQ people seek out physicians and nurses who are LGBTQ? Not necessarily, but they definitely seek out physicians and care providers who have a good reputation. So word of mouth is huge. If they hear about a doctor who is very knowledgeable and um, supportive around, say, transgender issues and transitioning, they will spread the word and um, other people will seek them out as well. Okay. All right. So what are some of the issues um, faced in, the, in medicine um, dealing with lesbian, gay, tr- bisexual, transgender? What are, what are they uh, running up against? Well, I think one of the biggest issues is just lack of knowledge. Um, typically in training for a lot of uh, healthcare professionals, addressing specifically LGBTQ issues is very limited and so they're dealing with their own lack of familiarity and that can really create a lot of anxiety for folks and so uh, something that a lot of LGBTQ people have experienced in trying to access health care is being uh, in the role of educating their provider or being told that because they don't have that knowledge that they can't treat them. So finding physicians that are um, not familiar with their lifestyle or how they live Mm -hmm. and what their needs might be based on that. Right. Okay. Um, What about, uh, I've seen seen mention that HIV infection rates, substance use rates, suicide are higher in this community. 
Yes, um, all those things uh, are a, a problem for the LGBTQ community, particular those who are transgender. Um, they're all typically at higher risk than the broader uh, non-LGBTQ majority, but those who are transgender are per at particularly high risk for HIV, uh, for suicide, and a lot of other health risks, uh, a lot of mental health risk in that population as well. So issues that could really be helped by the medical. Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, now let's talk about terminology. Um, sexual orientation, what does that mean? Sexual orientation is uh, essentially who you are uh, romantically and or sexually attracted to. Um, What's the difference between romantic attraction and sexual attraction? Well, for some people, they may find that they are more romantically drawn to one or more genders, but not necessarily sexually. So this is a fairly recent distinction that's getting made in kind of the LGBTQ community, parsing out and um, really self-reflecting on what your proclivities are. Sometimes the sexual attraction and the romantic attraction don't align in the same way. Okay. Is sexual orientation, what determines that? Are you born one way or sexually oriented in one way? or? That's still up for a lot of debate. Um, there are a lot of factors that play into someone's sexual orientation. It does look like there are some genetic factors, but there are also some uh, environmental ones. Um, and there's, there's really not a lot of clarity as far as how all of those things interact in order to produce various sexual orientation outcomes. So it's still being looked at. Yes. So I've heard the term pansexual. Yes, that essentially means that uh, someone who identifies as pansexual is attracted to people no matter what their gender presentation. So that includes those who may be transgender, male, female. Um, their attraction is, is not based on kind of gender expression or biological sex. It's more just their connection with the person. Is, is that different than bisexual? Yes. Uh, those who identify as bisexual um, are attracted to both uh, female and male or male uh, women and men. Um, and that doesn't necessarily encompass transgender folks. Really? So pansexual is a more inclusive term that has become more um, more popular with uh, younger folks who are a lot more open with their sexuality. This seems um, very complicated, and I'm thinking about the forms that we often have to fill out for a variety of reasons where you have a box to check male or female. Right. It seems like that's maybe inadequate now. Yeah, that's that's really uh, pigeonholing a lot of folks who may feel when they're faced with that male-female box or if um, they're only faced with uh, kind of typical heterosexual partner options that there's not necessarily a place for them. So one, one thing that uh, people can do to try and help LGBTQ folks feel more welcome 
is to broaden your paperwork. Um, that's kind of one of the first things people encounter when they're entering, say, a healthcare office. And having male, female, transgender, and even just an other with a line for people to write in their own uh, self-identifier can make a big difference. Okay. Well, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Laina Huffaker, a clinical psychology doctoral intern at Upstate. Now, we've done previous shows where we've talked to an expert about intersex, which is the condition of having sex characteristics that do not fit the typical definitions of male or female. Um, I gather that involves a person's biological sex, the way, the way they were born, right? Correct. Okay. So what is gender identity? Gender identity is really how you view yourself, the uh, sense of yourself as a gendered person, whether that is one particular gender, some people uh, are feeling more comfortable identifying themselves as actually a gender or gender fluid or gender neutral, um, which really kind of broadens the sense of oneself as a gendered person. So your gender identity may not match the gen- the anatomical gender you were born with. Exactly. Um, in um, the LGBTQ community, it's fairly common for folks to say that perhaps their biological sex was what they were assigned at birth. And yeah, their gender identity may or may not align with that. So... Um, the word I've heard you use the word queer a few times, and that used to be a derogatory term. Right. Is it not? Well, it depends on who you ask. Some people still aren't the biggest fans of that term. Um, it's become more accepted, um, but there are still some folks who really feel the, the stigma of that term because of its pejorative history. But it's kind of shifting into more of an inclusive, empowering term. The, the community is, is right. taking it back. Okay. And then um, the use of gender fluid, when you talk about, um, is that like a day-to-day gender fluid? One day you feel more feminine and one day more masculine? or Yeah, yeah, it certainly can be. Um, Folks who identify that way may really um, try to express their identity in a variety of uh, gendered ways. So one day they may want to embody more of a kind of stereotypically feminine gender persona. Um, And their identity of being gender fluid kind of is the base from which they do express that. Okay, and then there's androgyny as well, which is... That's um, kind of in between between. uh, stereotypic male and female, and that can look really different for a variety of people. But typically, folks who identify as androgynous are embodying some both uh, masculine and feminine characteristics in their expression as, as well as how they identify and how they feel. So it's more than just how they what they put on to wear. Right. It's maybe how they speak, how they how they feel, how they express themselves. Yeah, yeah. All those things may be kind of a blend, and it may be um, more masculine or more fem- feminine, but uh, it is some sort of blending of the two. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned earlier um, the two-spirit. What What is two-spirit? Two-spirit is a traditional Native American identity that um, is 
an, again, kind of a blending of masculine and feminine. Uh, Two-spirit people held a special role in a lot of tribes in America and still do. Um, and often they were uh, in the role of like shaman or spiritual leaders in the community. And uh, this, this is a, a, a specific term. And so there is some pushback in the native community uh, toward non-native people who are adopting that term uh, oh. because it's kind of separated from the cultural legacy of that. So was Two-Spirit in Native American culture, is that um, a positive thing? To yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, it, uh, it drew some negative attention as um, the Native people were uh, colonialized and oppressed by the incoming white folks who didn't really understand that. And so it, it kind of took on more stigma, but... Um, Folks are trying to preserve that that cultural heritage. Interesting. All right. Well, let me ask you: Does um, does a person's biological sex have anything to do with whether they're attracted to men or women? Like the way they're born, does that have anything to do with what what they desire as they grow up? No. I mean, statist statistically, maybe yes, but uh, there's there's really no evidence to say conclusively that being biologically male or female automatically means you will be attracted to the opposite sex. Um, and so emphasizing the difference between gender identity and sexual orientation is really important to me because they often get conflated. Well, and how does gender identity, does that have anything to do with sexual desire? No. Not necessarily. It um, Gender identity is really more about your own internal sense of self and your attraction to others is, is really separate from that. It may affect how you interact with those people that you're attracted to, whether you're taking on uh, various masculine or feminine roles, but that's also not tied to any specific behaviors or anything like that. It, they really are separate. Are there more LGBTQ people, or does it just seem like we're hearing more about LGBTQ people? I think a lot of it is more that we're hearing more about it. Um, as, the, um, as the push for more rights for uh, sexual and gender minorities has come to the forefront more and more, gaining more media attention. We certainly are hearing more about these populations. It'll be interesting to see how uh, kind of the kind of teenagers, young people right now growing up, how that will impact numbers because people who are younger are being more open about the identities that they that they use, that they're uh, discussing. So it's possible that the umbrella may expand a little bit, but um, it's hard to say at this point. Okay. Well, how do you feel about the use of they instead of the pronoun he, he or she? Uh, I, I really like it as a gender neutral term. Um, it's fairly popular with transgender people who aren't wanting to uh, identify with a a binary uh, gender 
label. Um, there is some uh, grammatical basis for using it that way. Um, and it, it is, I think it's a little easier for folks than some of the other more specific uh, gender neutral terms that are out there, like Z, for instance. Right, right. Okay. Well, thanks very much. My guest has been clinical doctoral intern Laena Huffaker. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air. <laughs>